Well, today we're wrapping up our series called Wrestling with God, although I, I thought about maybe adding just one more after this one called Wrestling with Poison Ivy. Um, I don't know if you've dealt with that before, but I got into some and I'm, I don't like it. It's, it's really itchy and uncomfortable, uh, but we won't, we won't, we won't go there uh, today. Uh, and I hope as we've looked through the different lives of men and women throughout Scripture, I, th- I hope that you've, you've picked up on some characteristics, some things that all of us, all of us are going to wrestle with God at some point over some issue in our life. But I hope you've been encouraged that everyone wrestles with God and knowing that, that God is always faithful to his promises to see us through when we turn to him in our struggles. But in my opinion, it's the character study and the principle that we learn from that one today that is likely the most important one that we will talk about over the course of this, this sermon series. Up to this point, we've looked at Jacob, Naomi, Elijah, and Hannah, and we've seen people who contend with God in a time of need or pain and fear, and everything works out in the end, which, which is great. I mean, there are a ton of stories like that in scripture, but it doesn't always necessarily feel like that in our lives. And there are people in scripture where things don't always work out in the end as they wrestle with human wisdom and God's wisdom and choose which one to follow. So everybody that we talked about, you know, up to this point chose God's wisdom in their life and everything worked out for them in the end. But this morning, like Adria mentioned, we're going to be talking about someone uh, who doesn't share the same outcome. Sometimes people wrestle with God and sometimes people lose. But the difference between winning and losing with God doesn't come from an ability to overpower God or to wield some sort of extra control in our life. If that were the case, everyone would lose. No one ever ever is able to overpower God. Instead, the most important thing for us to learn as we wrestle with God is when to surrender. It's also the most difficult thing to learn. There are things in life that we can desire so desperately that it is exhausting to our souls. And in that place, there's a fork in the road where we will change. And it's how we've lived all along the way in our relationship with God that determines which fork in the road we take, whether we take our own fork or God's path to him. And so as Adrian mentioned, we're going to be looking at the life of Judas this morning. And if you don't know anything about Judas, let me fill you in. Now, most of us have probably heard the name Judas, even if uh, you haven't heard about Judas in context of of the Bible. But here's some characteristics of Judas that you you need to know. He's one of Jesus' 12 disciples. So he was on the in crowd with, with Jesus. But his name has become synonymous with betrayal or treason because he's the one who gives Jesus over to the religious leaders of the day. He was the treasurer, if you didn't know this, he was the treasurer for Jesus and the disciples. And he kind of had a reputation from the money bag, always being a little bit lighter than it should uh, as, as the treasurer for the disciples. He sold out Jesus to the Jewish authorities for 30 pieces of silver. So maybe you've heard that reference before. Judas arranged a secret sign with the people who came to arrest Jesus. And so maybe you've heard, you know, betrayed with a kiss that comes from Judas. That's what he does. And there aren't really any positive stories about the Bible. I mean, they're just there aren't any positive stories about Judas in the Bible. There just, just aren't. And, and some of that is because, you know, the New Testament is written after all of these things have happened. But I don't know that there really were a whole lot of, you know, privately, you know, positive stories about Judas in his life, the way that he chose, uh, chose to live. Anything that he may have ever done that was good has been forever overshadowed by the fact that he betrays Jesus. And this all develops over time in Judas' life because while he outwardly was one of Jesus' closest followers, inwardly, he couldn't be further away. And so in his heart and his soul and his mind, where it really matters, he wasn't following Jesus at all. And this is a real temptation for 
any follower of Jesus, when it comes to what we say outwardly, but what we do inwardly, when we wrestle over who is going to have the power over our lives. It's going to be us, or is it going to be God? It often presents like this. We pretend that we feel or are one way, you know, at church or in public or work or something like that, but inwardly, we're really feeling something completely different Monday through Saturday. So often in life, we feel this need to wear a mask or have a facade, a metaphorical mask, something to cover up the truth about ourselves so other people might never know. We wear smiles when we're hurting. We might dress in such a way as to cover up, you know, our real situation. We tend to talk, talk about things that we don't understand. We might kind of, kind of fake it a little bit because we don't want to feel stupid or have to admit something that we don't understand. Married people act differently around their friends than they do at home, so that nobody knows that they're struggling. People do this all the time on social media, right? I mean, you, you see, you've seen people in your life that's like, oh, here's this great vacation that we just took. Here's this great meal that we just had. Look at all the kids; they're great. And then like. The next day, oh, we're getting a divorce. And like, where in the world did this come from? Like, nobody saw this coming, you know, because they had this outward facade. On and on it goes. And in a word, fairly painful word, it's, it's hypocrisy. It's one of the things that we all struggle with and all wrestle with in our lives. It comes from a Greek word that means an actor. And that's where it comes from. Actors used to wear masks as they portray different characters, and so that's where it's come from. It's just developed in our language to represent and to s describe how we act sometimes in the contrast between our outward and inner life. So now, when you call someone hypocrite, you know, you're not saying just that, oh, you're an actor. You're saying, hey, you're pretending to be something you're not, but you're trying to present it as real in your life. You can't be trusted. You're faking it. Hypocrisy is something that all of us wrestle with. We struggle to make, up, you know, make our actions line up with the heart or, or sometimes vice versa. And the Bible calls this conflict between walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. This is the thing that we wrestle with in our life and our faith, faith with God. And the struggle is real, but it doesn't have to define us. Let's look a little bit about this, this interaction that Jesus and Judas have in this, and, and um, we're going to learn some pretty important things uh, as a result. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 22, and Luke 22 takes place near the end of a really important Jewish uh, festival uh, celebration called the Passover. It's a holiday. Uh, Jewish people all over are celebrating uh, the Passover, still celebrate it to this day, and this is to remember God delivering the Israelite nation from slavery in Egypt after 400 years. Okay? And one of the highlights of the holiday is the Passover meal. And so Jesus and his disciples, who are they're all Jewish, are all celebrating the Passover meal together. But while everyone else was celebrating, this is when Judas was really in the thick of scheming uh, this, this moment in which he's going to betray and turn over Jesus to the religious authorities who want to kill him. And so Jesus is fully aware of this and calls us out during the part of the Passover meal that we actually celebrate every week as a church uh, as, as communion, all right? So we celebrate an element of the Passover, uh, of the Passover together. Uh, so this is from Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 19. And Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. And they began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. 
This, you know, they've been through all kinds of Passover meals together. This is not part of the script. So this is not the normal conversation that happens during the Passover meal. And so this was a balm for these guys to hear. Wait, what, what, what is happening? Like, we're pretty close here. This is the most tight-knit group around Jesus that there could possibly be. So you're saying somebody's going to betray, betray you? Who could it possibly be among us? A lot of these guys had given up everything in their lives to follow Jesus. And so they can't imagine, conceptualize that somebody would be willing to do this because they had given up so much. Well, let's pause there and look at the story as it's told in Matthew. So this is from Matthew's perspective, Matthew chapter 26, verse 23, and Matthew adds some other details. Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The son of man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the son of man. It would be better for him if he had not born. And apparently it's at this moment that Jesus actually calls out who this ends up being Judas. You know, they, they both go to dip the chip at the same time in the salsa bowl. And, and Jesus is calling out and saying, hey, this is, this is who this is who is about to betray me. And Judas, this is in verse 25 right after this, Judas, the one who betrayed him, looks at Jesus and he says, well, surely not me, right? I, it's definitely not Jesus, me, Jesus, is it? And Jesus answered, you have said so. We all know what Judas is about to do. Judas knows what he's about to do, and yet he still isn't ready to own it. He still isn't willing to own it. He's still wanting to hide it, to keep, uh, keep the facade up, because he knows that what he's about to do is wrong, and yet he still is going to do it anyway. He's caught red-handed, yet still trying to keep up the front. I mean, Judas has been planning this for a while, but he still continues to, to hide it from, from others, and he's really just lying to himself. He's been helping out people. He was in leadership, you know, someone who was the treasurer for the disciples. He's an active member. And, and the mask that he wore was, hey, I am all in on Jesus. I'm the, one of the closest followers of Jesus that you can possibly be. Even as Jesus was pointing him out as the betrayer, he kept the front. And Judas was a hypocrite, right? The hypocrite of all hypocrites. And, and we could, we could, try to figure out why, you know, what would bring somebody to that point in their life. You know, Judas probably saw Jesus as a means to get what he wanted out of life. Jesus would possibly put Judas in a position of great power. If Jesus became this great political leader that so, so many people wanted him to be, that's what they were looking for at the time, is for God's kingdom to be Jesus, you know, as a king and leading, you know, hey, Judas, maybe he could have been the treasurer of that entire kingdom. And when he saw that that's not what Jesus was at all about, he started to look at maybe switching to their side because Judas wasn't ready to surrender his life to God. He still wanted what he wanted out of life. As Jesus' ministry unfolded, it became clear that what Jesus wanted was not what Judas wanted for himself. Judas wanted power. Jesus promised peace. Judas wanted riches. Jesus taught us to give generously. Judas wanted position, and Jesus called for humility. And along the way, Judas came to a fork in a road where he had to decide whether or not he was going to surrender power and control over his life over to God or over to himself. And he chose the wrong, wrong path. In Luke chapter 22 and verse 4, Judas goes to the chief priests and the officers of the temple guard and discuss with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. He made the deal. He made the deal. He takes the fork in the road that led to what he wanted at the expense of what God wanted. And let, let's be really clear about what God wants versus what we want in life as we look at the life of Judas. God was saving the world from itself. I mean, that's, that's what he wants. He wants us to be able to be with him, 
And so his only goal is redemption, resurrection, salvation, to share his grace, his love, and his mercy in our lives. But Judas was saving himself for the world. And, and that really is the line in the sand that comes to how we wrestle with God. And the truth is the matter, the truth of the matter is this, is that we've all been in Judas's position. And we've all taken the wrong fork down the road. It's easy to relive a story about Judas and throw stones at him as a traitor. It's like, oh man, I would never be like that. He's a horrible person. And, and right, like may, maybe none of us have done exactly what Judas has done in our life, but we've all been in, had something in common with him because we've all been hypocrites. Every single one of us, myself included. We've all worn a mask before. We've all acted. We've all faked it. Maybe we've worn a mask that says, hey, you know, I, I, love, I love God. I want to follow him. But, you know, our Monday through Saturday doesn't look like that at all. It's like, yeah, I believe what the Bible has to say. I believe that Jesus is, is my Savior and that I need to follow him. I'm a disciple of him. But, you know, we just aren't, aren't living the way that Jesus modeled for us to live. We're not speaking the way that he speaks. We're not treating for other people the, the way that, you know, he calls us to treat them. Maybe, you know, who knows what the motivations are. Sometimes I'm not sure why we act this way. Maybe it's because we just want people to think we're better than we really are. or think our, our family's in better shape than, than it really is. Maybe it's a wise business strategy. Maybe you're hoping to meet, you know, that special someone. Uh, maybe it helps to alleviate some guilt in our life, but this is not what God calls us to, and this is not what he desires to share with us. It's a relationship with, with him that he really wants from our hearts and our souls and our minds. And the same attitude, is, it's not just within our faith. We do this in our workplace. We do this in our families, just dealing with people in general. Sometimes we put on a mask and we leverage every opportunity for ourselves to get ahead to serve our own interests, even if it means keeping secrets, faking our morality, or hurting people along, along the way. And when I look at Judas here, I can't help but think that, you know, sometimes I see myself in him. And if we're honest, we all see ourselves in him and some of his characteristics. I like to think that I'd never sink as low as to sell someone out like Judas did, but hypocrisy is not just about the big things. It starts from the little things. And that's how Judas gets himself in trouble is because his hypocrisy became a habit. This, this desire to fulfill himself and not follow after God, to not surrender what God wanted in his life, even with the small things, I mean, that's where things really got Judas off rail. It wasn't just the betrayal of Jesus. It started long ago when he couldn't even handle the responsibility of being treasurer for the disciples. Hypocrisy is simply saying one thing and doing something, something else. It's, it's just that simple. And most of us find ourselves at some point in that tension between what is real and what is fake in our lives. What do I really believe and what am I really going to do about it? I mean, we're confronted with that every, every day in our lives. And so before we paint Judas, Judas as just the ultimate hypocrite for us to look at, like, here's a negative example that we just need to learn from, but something that's separate from us. Now, we're, we're in the same boat. There's a spiritual battle for our souls, and sometimes the things that we want for ourselves mean more, mean more to us, and we make more important than what God wants for, for us and for the world. It's not news to God. I mean, some of us know, and you know, Romans three twenty three. We could we could recite that. You know, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like we we know that God knows that He knows that that's coming. The difference is we don't have to stay there. Jesus wants to remake us and give us a chance to take the mask off. The Apostle Paul taught in Second Corinthians chapter five. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. I mean, God, God is very clear about this. As Jesus talks against the religious rulers of the day, the Pharisees, I mean, God hates hypocrisy. 
And, and so when, when we do that, when we take part in that, yes, I mean, that, that's, that's something that, that God hates. He doesn't want to see a, a, part, a part of our lives, and yet he's so full of grace and he's so full of mercy that that doesn't mean that that has to be the end of our story. He understands our tendency to drift, but he wants us to take our mask off and turn our faces fully to him. All the scars, all the bumps, all the bruises, all the background, all the baggage, all of it. He, he knows it's there already. We're not hiding anything from him. He knows it's there, but he wants us to take off the mask and approach him just like we are. Whether we've slipped or we've stumbled, you know, we, you know God is not interested in us hiding it or, or putting it away. He's, he's asking us to surrender it over to him so that he can change it for eternity. Jesus' whole plan was come to the earth and die for our sins and raise, uh, and raise from the dead, you know, to be an ongoing living sacrifice for all of us. And Judas, you know, Judas didn't cause that. Even though he betrayed Jesus and set things in, in motion, if Judas hadn't done that, you know, it would have happened another way. And Judas always had an opportunity to experience the grace and the forgiveness and mercy of God. He just chose not to surrender himself to God. All the other apostles, all the other apostles scattered and, and abandoned Jesus. I mean, Peter denied Jesus three times, right? Some of us know that story and remember that. The difference is what they chose to do with that afterwards when Jesus came back. Judas couldn't forgive himself, though. He was so ingrained in his, his hypocrisy that he just couldn't let, let himself go. His mask couldn't justify him, and his guilt eventually led him to take his own life before he ever got to experience the resurrection of Jesus. It's a tragic ending to a tragic story. And he sank into that darkness because he never attempted to see himself fully the way God sees each and every one of us, because he refused to surrender himself to God. I'm not always sure why we wear a mask and pretend to be something we aren't. We know that it harms us. Like we, we know that about ourselves. We know that it's never helpful when we do this, but it's the most common thing in the world. And I think it's because we don't understand what it means to see ourselves the way God sees us, to fully be fully exposed before him and him know everything about us, every single thing that we try to hide from anyone else, and he still desires to be with us. So what could your life be like if you could see, the way, see yourself the way that God sees you? One of the ways that the Apostle Peter, who denied Jesus three times earlier in his life, one of the ways that he describes it is like this. You are a chosen people. This is from 1 Peter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. So when God sees us, he doesn't see the hypocrite. He sees past the mask. He sees past the facade. He doesn't see us as broken. He doesn't see the insecure version of yourself that you see. He doesn't see you with debt up to your eyeballs. He doesn't see you, you know, with the body Im image, you know, issues that you might have. He doesn't see your criminal record. He doesn't see your addiction. He doesn't see that about you. Sure, he knows that all about you, but he doesn't let that define you to him. And he can help you work through all of that stuff, but that's not who we are to him. God sees a child when he sees us that he loves, that he desires, that he wants more than anything to remove the mask and be able to be with him and see him face to face. When we are wrestling with God, the most important move we can make is to surrender ourselves to him. It ensures we never lose out on the life with him that experiences the fullness of his eternal grace, mercy, and love. 
And so I just, I just want to encourage you, if you're a Christian this morning and you're dealing with maybe some, some facade, some mask wearing, some, some hypocrisy, the best thing that you can do is surrender that over to God. And, and, and one of the ways that we can do that is to, is to break free from that mask. So maybe you're wearing that mask, you know, in front of your family, your spouse, a friend, a coworker, a boss, uh, maybe somebody here at church, uh, you know, who, whoever it is in your life, maybe a, a parent, a family member, um, it's time to take that mask off. Because that's what God calls us to. Because it's only then when the redemption and the grace and mercy that God calls us into in relationships with others, that healing can begin to take place. And if you're not a Christian, if you haven't made that decision to say yes to God, you know, the, the, way that, the way that God calls us into relationship with him is that we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and we respond by being baptized, by being immersed, which is this symbolic place in which we've said yes to God, that our sins are washed away, where all the, the facade, the mask, you know, anything that keeps us from being fully face-to-face in front of God is washed away. Then I, I want to encourage you to think very seriously, pray very hard about what it means to, to make that decision. It's It's time. It's time to drop it, and it's time to surrender fully as we wrestle with God in our faith and our walk with him. Let's pray. God, anybody who's ever been a hypocrite before, which is all of us, but as we, re- we admit that to ourselves in our life, knows what it means to experience forgiveness despite of it. And how, how powerful that is how meaningful it is to, to be able to just drop it, you know, to finally um, have, have peace in, in the things that we've, we've held back, the things that we've kept, kept secret, the things that are continue to harm us and the relationships that we have with other people. God, to, to fully give that up and be done with that weight, to have that burden carried away as you've promised, when we know how powerful and life-changing that can be, we just need the strength and the courage to take that step. And maybe it's to take that step for the first time that, that maybe we haven't said yes to fully actually following, following Jesus. Maybe we say that, you know, we, we've been following kind of like Judas, but maybe in our hearts and our minds and our souls, we know that it's not been there. God, we ask that through your Holy Spirit, you give us the strength and courage that we need that as we wrestle with you and maybe some of the secret things that are, that are in our lives, that you give us the strength that we need to, to break free from those things. That we fully trust in your power, the power of your grace and your mercy and your love, that, um, that if, we, if we do that, we'll be able to fully experience what you desire for in, in our lives. God, we praise you <clears throat> for helping us to be free from these things that weigh us down, these burdens uh, that, that we carry sometimes very alone. God, we praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.